And hello from Boise, Idaho, and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education and politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And it's still been a busy week, even though the legislature is uh, finally gone and all the bills have been signed or not signed or vetoed. Um, we are still busy now kind of sorting out uh, some, some election issues, but also some, some new numbers. Um, this week, I spent a good deal of time looking at uh, an issue we've dealt with a lot, this whole 60% goal. Um, kind of the state's flagship goal, really, when it comes to education for the last couple of years, right, Kevin? Right. You, you can hardly go to any education hearing or any discussion about education in Idaho without mention of the 60% goal. And basically, for those who don't have it drilled into your head yet, basically, uh, the state is saying that by the year 2020, it wants to see 60% of Idaho's 25 to 34-year-olds to hold, if not a college degree or an associate's degree, at least some sort of a post-secondary certificate. Right, a technical certificate would count. Uh, right. Career technical, I think, is the term now. Right, any kind of uh, post-secondary education will do in terms of hitting that 60% figure. This week I wrote about the new numbers on on this front, and they're not very encouraging. They're, they're pretty grim. Uh, a group called the Luminum Foundation, based in Indianapolis, did a national study of where uh, where the states stand in terms of post-secondary completion. Idaho ranks 46th in the nation, and in 2014, we had 37.7% of all adults uh, holding some sort of a post-secondary certificate. So that's a long way from the 60% figure. And you drill down further in the numbers, and Lumina does this, uh, no county in the state hits that 60% threshold. There are really only two counties that are above 50%. Uh, Lehigh County, home to U of I, and Madison County, home to BYU-Idaho. So a couple of kind of college town, college regions, uh, at least get above the 50% threshold. But in fairness, uh, Lumina does a really uh, detailed breakdown state by state. There isn't a single state that is at 60%. Right. Even Massachusetts. You know, which was tops in the nation and a state that that has dozens upon dozens of colleges. They're only at 55% in Massachusetts. So their point, uh, Lumina's point, is that uh, as a nation, we're making kind of slow, incremental progress. And nationally, we're not where we need to be. And their hope is to get to a 60% number by the year 2025, as opposed to Idaho's uh, 2020. And this kind of uh, sort of puts an underscore under some of the talk that we've been hearing, Kevin, around the legislature. The last two sessions, it really sort of amplified this session uh, when there was that resolution, this talk that it is going to be extremely difficult, if not perhaps mathematically near impossible, Mm -hmm. to reach the 60% goal as defined by Idaho within the time period uh, that they've said, correct? Right. I think this kind of uh, illustrates the amount of work that is left to be undone. The 37.7% figure, and I don't want to get too far in the weeds here, but it is, uh, it, it's important to note that what Lumen is measuring is all adults. And what the State Board of Education is saying is, now hold on a second, when you're talking about older right. adults who are further on in their career, uh, it's probably unlikely that they'll go back to school um, you know, they came up in a different time. There wasn't as much emphasis on post-secondary. Sure. So that may, yeah. So they, their argument is we may be doing a little bit better with the 25 to 34s that we're really uh, using as the metric. 
the state's metric. But still, whether it's 40%, which is the state board's latest figure for the 25 to 34s, or whether it's 38%, the Lumina number, long way to go. Yeah. If, if for folks that are curious, head to IdahoEdNews.org, look for Kevin's blog. You can check out all the details. There's links to background and, and, and more stories. But I want to move on. It was an exciting week for Idaho education news because we're expanding, Kevin. We're expanding yeah. into eastern Idaho. Uh, I'm super excited about that. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what that means, how we're doing that. And our first big article is part of that expansion into eastern Idaho went live uh, just the other day. Yeah. So an extra credit shout out to Devin Bodkin. He is our new reporter. He's based in, uh, in eastern Idaho. Uh, he has journalistic experience. He also has classroom experience as a teacher. I'm excited about this. Uh, he has perfect experience uh, to come and work for us. His background's in journalism, and he's been a teacher yeah. uh, the last three years. And so I'm super excited about it. He's going to be a full-time staff member for us. And his first article came out, Kevin, on Thursday. And he really took on a big topic for his first article, and that was the new... In its second year now, SBAC test, the standardized test that has replaced the ISAT, uh, that has been controversial in political and legislative circles. And so what Devin did was he talked to the superintendent of the Madison School District, Dr. Jeff Thomas, mm -hmm. because last year, if you remember, Madison had the issue where they wanted to opt out of SBAC testing, uh, but the governor, Governor Otter, intervened saying, as a condition, take the test. Uh, take the make, test, make essentially. The kids take the test. Uh, and so uh, Devin went back to the superintendent this year, found out that once again Madison is sort of reluctantly administering the test, but they're going forward uh, and administering the SBACs, kind of holding their nose in, in doing right. so if you really uh, read between the lines and kind of get the flavor of, of what's going on. Over and there. again, why this matters beyond Madison County is. Uh, all states are expected to administer a test at the end of the year and make sure that at least 95% of students take the test. Right. Otherwise, federal funding can be jeopardized uh, if, if you have if you don't hit the 95% figure. Idaho hit the 95% number last year. That's part of why even Governor Otter intervened on the whole Madison County issue and kind of leaned on the district and said, you, you got to take the test. It's, yeah, there's a financial stake. It's too early to say how the uh, the test numbers are going to shake out. Or even by. how the process overall is going. There were some concerns last year uh, about glitches, about the timeliness of results being returned to school districts. So we're just sort of into the beginning portion of that testing window, uh, just feeling our, our way through it. We and don't yet just, know how it's right, gone. And we're just beginning to report about kind of how this testing window goes. The window is open until the middle part of May. So we'll get a sense of what sort of opt-out numbers are, what sort of participation numbers we have, how the results are coming in, are there glitches along the way. Long way to go in terms of covering the aspect, but Devin, our brand new reporter, got us started looking at kind of a flashpoint in that issue. Meanwhile, you, you're starting to roll out a lot of election stories as we're going to try to target some uh, key legislative races around the state. We're just over a month away uh, from the Democratic and Republican primaries in the state of Idaho, Kevin. Those take place on May 17th. As you know, this week uh, we had our first, we're, we're doing a series of profiles where we're basically looking at legislative races 
with education connections, whether that's a member of the budget committee, whether that's a member of one of the education committees, whether that's a sitting educator. There's about 14, 15 mm -hmm. races that we're looking at. Uh, we started, uh, our first round of coverage had to deal with a North Idaho race, I believe in Legislative District 4 with some uh, budget education implications there. And we're going to continue rolling these out uh, Certainly, multiple times a week now through the primary election. I'd encourage you know folks to check that out if they're interested. We also tried to include some helpful resources in there, maps of the legislative district boundaries, so you know for sure which one applies to your neighborhood. Links to find out if you're registered to vote, where your polling place might be. So we're trying to be helpful to uh, pass on key information about education issues in the races, and also help people prepare to vote and get ready to vote. That's an ongoing project mm -hmm. through uh, essentially the second week of May, so you can come back to Idaho Ed News over and over again and uh, catch up on races of interest and find out what some of the trends are across and, the state. And, and what we're doing, and by we I mean you, uh, what, we're, <laughs> what we're doing that I think is unique and kind of cool about this election coverage is uh, we're in a position where we're looking at some key races all over the state. Right. Uh, so we can look at, you know, you looked at the Luke Malik race in Coeur d'Alene this week. We'll be looking at races in eastern Idaho, Magic Valley, Treasure Valley. But definitely with an education focus. The, sure. The Q&A section is going to focus on education topics. Uh, obviously, voters have a lot of other things on their mind, whether it's Medicaid or taxes. Water or rights, any number of things. We're focused on K-12 issues and, you know, where they, where the candidates stand on key K-12 issues. So if you're, if you're interested in some local legislative races in your neck of the woods and want to get a sense of where these candidates stand on, on K-12 issues, uh, uh, we're a good place to start with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk about, for anybody who may have followed Kevin or I on social media this week, you likely saw us acting in a different way than we have uh, normally. Mm -hmm. And we got upset, did we not, about uh, an issue with Idaho Education News's photos appearing in a political campaign. And I just kind of want to step back and talk about why we, why I responded so strongly the way I did and why we view this as important. But I guess to set it up, Kevin, take us back to last Friday and what we first noticed and what happened. And, and it's an ongoing situation, so uh, we'll try to bring you up to speed really quickly and focus more on why this is an issue to us. Ron Nate is a first-term legislator from Rexburg, and uh, last week it came to our attention that uh, Representative Nate used a pair of our photos, Idaho Education News original photos, in an e-newsletter that he sent out to constituents. We contacted him about that. La earlier this week, we also discovered that uh, one of those photos appeared in a campaign video uh, that he had produced. We, we contacted him about that. It's been a, an ongoing back and forth between all of us at Idaho Education News and Representative Nate. Our concern is very basic and is very simple, and we've, we've, you know, we've dealt with this on other fronts, but not with a sitting legislator. Uh, we are a news site, and really the only thing that we own is our original content. Right. Whether that's your story, my story, uh, Andrew Reed's photography. Uh, you know, Andrew Reed works for us, and he produces uh, photos, high-quality photos for us. That's why we sought him out. That's why he's with us. That, that's our intellectual property. 
And while we are a nonprofit and while we make our content available for free to news sites, we've insisted upon uh, free, we've insisted upon full attribution and full credit for our work. In this case, where we're dealing with a campaign video, it's, uh, it's not appropriate for our journalistic content to appear in a campaign video. And that's been the crux of our ongoing back and forth with Representative Nate. It, it, it's not his content, it's our content. And it was produced for journalistic purposes, not for campaign purposes. Ultimately, you know, it's, it's not fun to get into these disputes. It really isn't. Uh, we've had to have some back and forth with our friends and colleagues in, in the news business about how should our material be presented and what sort of attribution uh, are we expecting. It's not fun to be confrontational with your friends, and it's not fun to be confrontational with an elected official, but we're adamant that our intellectual property is our intellectual property, and we're going to defend it vigorously, and in this case, we've had to defend it publicly. Absolutely, and I just want to talk about this for just another minute and, and kind of go through my feelings and why it was important to me. When we started out, we decided very easily that we were not going to endorse in political races, we were not going to get involved with campaigns, we were not going to support candidates, and so it is extremely important for us to be independent and to appear independent, and so we are not allowing any candidates, I don't care if they're running for a dog catcher or the head of their mosquito abatement district, it does not matter. Uh, we have decided that no candidates can use our original content or any of our content for political gains, for uh, election purposes. And that's what's happened here. This is being used without our permission. It was used without attribution, not that that would have made it permissible. Right. Um, and we've asked the representative now, I count five times, that we've asked the representative to simply edit the video so that our original photography is removed uh, from his campaign materials and from his newsletter, both now, uh, going back to what has been published previously, and in the future. Uh, that is our request, and I view it as, like you said, Kevin, at Idaho Ed News, we produce a couple of products. Those products are content, and that comes in the form of original journalism through articles, through videos and through photography. Uh, photography is a big part of our content, and I view it that, um, that this was used improperly, almost like a theft issue. And so that's why uh, I reacted so strongly, and that's why we have on multiple times reached out to Representative Nate and his campaign supporter to ask them to remove our work. Is that, no, I, is that fair? Is that essentially? I, I, think, I think you hit it on the head. And, you know, I don't think either of us want this to become a soapbox podcast today, but I think it was very important uh, to make it clear to, to listeners, this is why it matters. This is why we've uh, been so engaged in this, and it has consumed a lot of time. Yeah. One, one thing that Representative Nate and I can agree about is we've all spent a lot of time on this this week, but our content is the most important commodity that we have. It's the most important feature that we own. Uh, so it is very important for us to spend the time defending it even though it has been you know, extremely time-consuming and, and not uh, very pleasant to have to deal with. No, it, it hasn't been pleasant. It's been difficult, but I wanted to explain 
first of all, the crux of what I feel the issue is. Second of all, I wanted to acknowledge that I did respond strongly and try to explain uh, and defend my actions on why I responded strongly. But I do want to move on. Life will go on. We're Next week is another week and a busy one. Right. We're con- uh, life goes on. However, whether or not this is resolved, we will continue to cover education issues. We will continue to cover legislative races. But looking ahead, uh, there's a couple of issues we're going to get to next week. Uh, right now, Superintendent of Public Instruction Sherry Ybarra is traveling across the state uh, with folks from the State Department of Education. They call it the post-legislative tour, but they're meeting with school district administrators to talk about the policy changes from the most recent legislative session. Uh, the State Department of Education leaders are going to be in Boise early next week on Monday, Monday and I'm going to be covering that. But Kevin, there's also another road show involving State Department of Education leaders and some academic standards. And, and, yeah, and these are important, and these are uh, these involve you if you're interested in, in participating. Uh, a series of public meetings around the state. They start Monday in North Idaho, uh, come back down through Eastern Idaho, and then down here uh, in the Treasure Valley the week after next. Uh, to take public comment on a variety of academic standards, including, and you've heard about these before on this podcast, the science standards that were tabled last year, uh, earlier this year in the legislature. So this will be an opportunity for public comment on the science standards, on any of the standards, on several other rules that the State Department of Education has rolled out. Uh, Go to my blog at idahoednews.org, get the schedule there, and get a rundown of what rules are on the docket if you're interested in science standards or anything else. We will be at uh, these hearings. You'll be at the Roadshow with uh, Superintendent Navarro on Monday, and we'll have continued coverage of everything else that comes along in education. Yep, and we will be back here next Friday with a brand new episode of Extra Credit. I want to thank everybody, as always, for taking time out to listen to Extra Credit, uh, to look at our coverage on Idaho Ed News. That's why we do it. It means a lot to us. So uh, thank you very much. Thanks for listening this week, and have a great week. I'm Clark. And I'm Kevin. Have a good week.